to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want to introduce someone who's new here today. His name is Ian Gentry Buccaneri. Let's take a look at him over here. He's a, he has an older brother already, so two boys. Way to go, Buccaneries. Mom, looks like you're doing great. Matt and Cassie had their baby. What do they have? You're back there. Oh, my gosh. Do you have any introductions? Is she with you? Okay, she's right over there. What he said. You can say it again, John. (laughs) Mackenzie Schuyler. All right. Good consulting name there. Okay. Uh, Sandra mentioned the, the coaching workshop that's going to be happening this week. This is a very dynamic training. It uses every learning uh, type. It's very fast-paced. It's not a bunch of lectures, but it's a bunch of activities and interaction to teach you how to find out who someone is, help them discover who they are, help them un- uh, unpack that specifically into goals in their life, and then help them set specific steps to accomplish those goals. And it's a, it's a very simple, clear structure that you can use in meeting with people professionally or uh, in ministry context. So this, this Thursday night, Friday and Saturday, the, uh, the meals are included while we're there, which is lunches and then one dinner. Chris McBride is going to be with me there. And Chris is an amazing guy. Uh, he is... Uh, run a business, he's done all kinds of leadership, organizational uh, roles. Right now he's with AMI, helping the entire mission structure for the United States. He's a fantastic guy. You just enjoy being there to get a chance to, to hear from him as well as get input. So that's happening this week. But today we're going to be talking about apprenticing. And this is something that ties very much in with the coaching process. It's something that is a value. It's, a, it's something that I really believe in. So I might have some strong statements that I make today because I want to challenge you not just to live your life, but to invest and multiply your life, to learn how to transfer who you are into someone else. And, and uh, that may sound scary. Have, have you ever thought, what would the world be like if there was 100 more people just like me? Is that good news or bad news? Well, hopefully it's good news because you're looking to reproduce the character that Jesus has in your life. Paul said something amazing. He said, imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So do you have the confidence to tell someone, imitate me? I want to press you in that direction today and also give you some very practical steps on how to do that. We're using the word apprenticeship, not discipleship. Now, why is that? One core reason why that is is because we've kind of lost the meaning of discipleship in a lot of ways. Discipleship, if I asked 10 different people in this room what discipleship is, I'd probably get 10 different answers. You're saying, maybe we're having a weekly meeting or a monthly meeting or I'm going to a training 
or, and I'm not sure exactly what's happening in that. Now, we need to be clearer and clearer on what discipleship is. But if I say apprenticeship, we're going back to a model where craftsmen were reproducing their skills in other people. They were invited not just to be with someone, but they were invited to do something, to learn a skill and reproduce that in that other person. And uh, so here's a definition. The word apprentice says that you are not only a learner, but also willing and ready to take action that will demand greater leadership responsibility in order to further the movement of Jesus. Okay? So you're not just going to have a relationship, but you're saying, I'm in at another level. Now, um, there's a book. Cover should be up there behind me. It's called Exponential. For some people, if you want to be on the inside track, you know, what are these guys, what are the leaders within this movement in Boston thinking about and talking about? This is the thing that I'm pumping more than anything else and saying, this is who we are and what we want to be doing. John and uh, Dave Ferguson in Chicago have planted 12 churches there, and they have a, a network that works together very much like we're wanting to do here. And when I got a hold of this book, uh, John Clark and I read it, Charlie, Jeff's read it, and we're saying, this has so much vocabulary that we identify with. Now, uh, we're not just cutting and pasting, but if you read this, it's going to bring you into a conversation that's happening. So, Exponential. The next slide talks about one, one thing in apprenticing, a simple five-step piece that you're going to learn today, and that is what they, the, the image is on a napkin because that's what you do. That's what I do. I ruin a lot of napkins all over Boston and all over the country. I have my pen always in my pocket. I pull out that napkin, and it's terrible when it's cloth, you know. You have to use a magic marker or something like that. Good, John. Thank you. And, uh, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm writing on there and saying, this is, this is how it works. First, I do, you watch, we talk. Then I do, you help, we talk. There's always a process part of that. Next, you do. You, I, and, and I don't take off. You do, and I am helping you. There's a transfer of responsibility that happens at that time. And then... You do, and I watch. There's a step back that I take, but we're still talking about it. Next, you do, and somebody else is watching. This is apprenticeship. That's a, a model of transferring skills, a model of transferring character, explaining, you know, why is it that I did it like this? What, are, what was my attitude when I was doing that? Now, um, of course, we have some examples. Who do you think I'm going to pull out right now? as the greatest example of apprenticeship. Starts with a J. Oh, I thought many of you were going to say Jeff, but uh, no, it's, it's Jesus. It's very, very similar. And uh, so what did Jesus do? You know, he had, he had 12 disciples that watched his life 24, 7, 3 years. So that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Have people move in with you. Just watch you all day long. Well, uh, that would be interesting, but that's not exactly what I'm going to do today. But that tells you the depth of his investment in those people is very much related 
to the impact that was on their lives. So we need to get people to have access to our lives, to see us. That takes time. But we also want to have input. So Jesus, in Mark three thirteen, we see this example. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. You know, I just, I, as, I'm, as I'm talking up here right now, I'm just noticing like this glow on many of your faces. So if it gets too hot, I think you can get close to the fan in the back or go get a drink of water. We would not want anyone to pass out in the service. Good news is it only happens two or three times in Boston the entire year. So uh, uh, nice warm day. So example is Jesus first selected people that he wanted. So he was, I, I believe that he'd been watching these disciples, many of them their entire lives. There's not a lot of people move into different countries in uh, first century. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you pretty much knew who was around. And, and he had no, probably known their families and had known a lot about them. And he said, I want to be with you. And he did what he did just with the, the rich young ruler, with each one of these guys. Leave it all, follow me, come and be with me. So, uh, we have first this modeling happening. Jesus said, I'm going to do, and you're going to watch. The next thing is that he designated them as apostles. So they were people that were going to go alongside of him and help. They were being sent out, and they were walking alongside him. So he was, Jesus was doing, and they were assisting him. When, I'm, I'm kind of mixing some words in here because it's a... It's a uh, a pattern that I use a lot. Model, assist, watch, leave. So four steps of investing in somebody's life. If you're training someone for a job, you want, it, you want them to take over your job. If you want to move to the next level, Justin, you want to make about ten people just like you, you model that, you assist, you work your way out of a job by getting them to learn what it is that you're doing. If you're a, a faith group leader, your goal is to have someone not just sit and watch you, but to walk alongside of you and begin to help, begin to be engaged in the process. And then Jesus, whose disciples were with him, and he let them do it, and he was watching. And then he sent them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. And ultimately, we know he left and they went and did with others. So, model, they watched his character and actions, assist, they worked alongside of him, watch, they were given authority, and leave, they, he left the Holy Spirit with them, and they were no longer just assistants, they were the leaders, they were the ones who were walking with and caring for others. We see this in the life of Paul, very famous passage, 2 Timothy 2.2, anybody know this before it even goes up on the screen? Four generations that Paul's talking about here. And it says in 2 Timothy 2.2, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable or faithful people who will be qualified to teach others. So, Paul to Timothy to reliable people 
who were going to teach others. Four generations right there. And he, so he wasn't just thinking, how can I multiply my life in Timothy? He was telling Timothy, think generationally. Not just, how can you be what I am, but be what I want to be for you, for others. And, and even on down to the people that they're investing in, investing in others again and again. So, uh, Paul was amazing. He's, he said that even if you've had 10,000 guardians, this is 1 Corinthians 4.15, you do not have many fathers. And he went on the 16th verse, therefore, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And what is that example? Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. In 1 Timothy 4.12, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. So, Jesus, Paul, biblical examples. What's a modern example of apprenticeship? You know, we've lost a lot of the... Unless you want to be a plumber or electrician, have a trade... We don't have as much of an apprentice model available to us. But when I got married, my wife was in medical school, and I noticed an apprentice model that was amazing. So I'm in church, I'm in ministry, I'm in leadership, doing all these different things. And then I see her come home after having worked a day and a half, 36-hour shifts, working a lot of times. That was before they change the laws, doing 120-hour weeks. I'm saying, wow, they are training this woman. And she would talk about watch one, do one, teach one. And that was the first time that I really thought about how we model and multiply our lives. So come on up here, honey. I want her to explain to you what it was like in medical school and residency to apprentice people. So, she's a good teacher, a good trainer. Why don't you talk a little bit here, honey? Hey, good morning. My name is Susan. As Mark said, I'm a pediatrician. Um, but a long time ago, we got married when I was in, we were just before our, my she's third year in years medical old. school. So, I was in medical school. What is that? What did you say? I said you were 12 years old. Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Long time ago. <laughs> and um, so, I was a third year, uh, third year student our first year of marriage. And um, like he said, our weeks were long, and Mark was the college pastor at, at a church, at Highland Baptist Church in Waco, and I was a medical student. And I began to learn this model. So I was still very much at the beginning of my training, and, but I began to... Um, the, the third year of medical school is when you start staying, when you... Um, spend a lot of time in the hospital. You're doing all your ro clinic rotations. So you're out of the books, into the hospital with the patients. And um, so I, you're never alone. You're always with a team. So you're put on a, every student is with a team. And the team usually consists in the hospital of a medical student, usually a third year. Sometimes there's a fourth year medical student. There's a first year resident. So that's after you're you graduate, after you graduate from medical school, you become a doctor, you take the test, you earn your light, you get a, uh, a license, and you're able to be called uh, a doctor. But you have to do a residency, which is an on-the-job training. 
and uh, usually it's, it's somewhere between three years and uh, seven or nine years, depending on your specialty of how long you're going to spend in that training. So every, every team has a medical student, uh, an intern or a first-year resident, a senior-level resident, and an attending physician. Now, attend an attending physician is someone who has finished their specialty uh, qualifications and has, is board certified and is a, you know, has a role as a teaching, a teaching physician. And so as you're on this team in your first year, as a, or as you're a medical student, medical students are the, um, spend, do everything, like they go everywhere the team goes. Everywhere the residents go, the medical student goes. And they listen, they observe, they help. Um, often they're taking, they're helping by doing some uh, histories, they're getting information. Uh, they may do physicals, which will be uh, verified by the older uh, physicians. And then uh, in the, as I said, you're always with, but you don't have any, like, nothing you do is going to, like, you don't have any weighty responsibility as a medical student, but you're always, but you're, nevertheless, you're there and you're helping. And then as an intern, which is your first year residency, um, you get the first, it's like you become doctor. So your first night on call, so you, so you, a call, you, work your days, and then every few nights you have to call, which means you stay up all night and all the next day, and you admit the patients who come into the hospital, but you're doing it with a team. Again, you are paired up with a senior-level resident, and depending on the hospital, you may have one team who's on call, or you might have more than one team, um, and so at the first year, you're given a very short rope at the beginning, so you have responsibility. They call you... Um, Dr. Buckner, and you first look around going, where is she? Where is she? <laughs> <laughs> and they go, oh, me. And the first night on call, you're, you're, uh, you are always, you're paired up with a senior level resident, and so you go and admit the patient, get a call for someone, uh, a child who's dehydrated, you go see the child, you're about six inches away from your senior level resident, and he says, okay, so what orders would you write? And he kind of it's kind of quizzing you all the time. Well, you have to admit them. What else do they need? They need food. Okay, what kind of food do they need? Okay, what kind of fluids do they need? Oh, yeah, he puts you, and so you say, now write this, write this. They give a really short rope. And then he's, he, oh, he's about six inches away from you, and he says, yes, that's right, no, that's wrong. And he, fix, you know, he walks you through it. And then about an hour later, the nurse calls you, and you get a, they, she says, this is your first night, right? My, remember my first night, like it's imprinted on my brain. And they say, oh, Johnny in room 203 has a fever. What would you like me to do? And there's a dead silence while you go, your, your heart drops into your stomach, and you're going, somebody's asking me what I should do? And about six inches away, the senior resident says, Tylenol. <laughs> oh yeah, Tylenol. You should give him Tylenol. And then you go, uh, how much Tylenol, the nurse says. And the senior resident says, 15 milligrams per kilogram. Oh yeah, 15 milligrams. How much does he weigh? And you, get the, and you finally get the right answer and you breathe and you, you finish. You go, oh, I got through that one. And 
it's repeated a hundred times, you know, the first night, fever, fever, fever. Okay, I think I can do fever, fever. <laughs> What's the dose for fever? What's the dose for Tylenol? And, um, but as the year progresses, you're given a little bit more rope. And a little bit more, but he's all, the senior, she or he is always there. You know, maybe they, by, by Christmas time, which is, it's, it's fortunate, July is off season for pediatrics. It's low season, not very busy. By Christmas, it's high season, and things are a lot busier. So high season, you're given, um, you're, you're, you work over there, I'll come over here, and he follows you around. You basically are the first step, and here the senior resident is cleaning up, at, like coming by to check on you after about 15 minutes after you, uh, you were there. And by the next year, so all this time, meanwhile, there's also a medical student with you. So the medical student is going, how can I help? What can I do? Oh, please run down there and get the lab results. Would you check the computer for this? Would you call so-and-so and make sure this is coming? So um, meanwhile, the medical student is with the team everywhere they go. The senior level resident, but in the meantime, is making sure that you're passing on what he had learned when he was an intern. And um, depending on the acuity, the attending physician, let's say if it's a high acuity, like an ICU event, um, the attending physician might be right there, might just be in the other room and coming, coming uh, right immediately, either with you or right after you. And, um, but if it's a lower acuity uh, situation, you may just be reporting to them on the telephone or in the morning. So in the morning, it's the attending physician's time to ask you all the hard questions. And so all the team is there, and, and you go to each patient, and he asks you the question, that's his job, is to ask you questions you haven't thought of yet. And, oh, what if this? What if that? How did you, what are the uh, three complications that could have happened last night but didn't? And you're going, oh, uh, Oh, I didn't think of that. And then he says, well, okay, so let's start with what you know. You know this and this. He helps, and as he, as his job is to ask good questions and from you, for you to learn from your experience. And um, as I often taught my kids, um, experience is one of the best teachers, but not just experience, um, evaluated experience. Someone help, like, when you look back and say, what did I learn from that? And what could I have done better? And so that team was always, and um, like Mark said, it was always repeated from the time we were medical students, see one, do one, teach one. So you were always aware that you were being taught and teaching someone else. And that was your responsibility to see, to See one, do one, and teach one. And if you weren't learning yourself, then you were going to be teaching. And so when we were in those first few years, every, like you said, did you all know there's 168 hours in a, a week? So I worked about 100 or 120 hours of those weeks. I left you 48 hours. And every... Uh, we had dinner during that time. I commuted an hour to, to work and back. And um, we, but I was in college ministry, I mean, I was involved in the college ministry where we were as much as I could. 
And um, it seemed like every waking minute that I was awake, um, I was at the, in ministry. But it didn't, what did I, when I was asked later, like, what did you, why would that experience, what good could 120 hours a week, how could you do that? What did you get out of that? And the intensity of that situation gave me years of living experience within just a few years. And I got, came out of that realizing that even though I was in ministry, what I, had, what I actually, I mean, I, my life was about ministry, but what I actually learned about discipleship had come through my medical training because I had learned to be taught and to teach others. And so that was my experience. Excellent. Thank you. You put it right over there. I'll put it up. Thank you. She's awesome. I have amazing Susan, amazing Dorothy, amazing Joe Mark, amazing Joshua, and finally, amazing Grace. So, so did you see that? So I, I, I live that experience, watching her talk about everything, and even now, she, I had to qualify for her boards again this last year, and so what's she doing? She's learning. She's wanting to, to get more and more input, and so I was thinking during that time, what if I walked with those standards in ministry? I would be more like Jesus. I would have a very high expectation of what I was, not just of what people were going to do, but what I would be able to give to them. The amount of access they would have to my life, the amount of input that they would receive, and what they would be able to do to others. So I'm going to take you through this again, all right? We're going to say this together. I'll, I'll say it, and then you're going to repeat after me, and I'm going to give you some cues, okay? It may even be written behind me. You never can tell. I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. You do, I help, we talk. You do, I watch, we talk. You do, somebody else watches. You did that. Pretty good cadence there. Right? You got that out pretty fast. So this is really simple, right? But it's not easy. And this is something that we can use really to evaluate everything that we're doing, especially if you have any kind of a name related to discipleship with this. Are you teaching? Are you opening up your life and being a model for them? And, you know, I'm... Uh, I can move too fast and be too intuitive at times. And I think, oh, if I explain this, it's going to be insulting. It's going to feel like I'm patting them on the head, too pedantic. But I've found most of the time people appreciate some explanation, appreciate some conversation, some discussion about what we just did. Anybody in here fit that bill? Like, I kind of like to interact whenever I'm given responsibility. I'd like to get some input and not just being slapped on the back and say, go get him, tiger. So this is, this is what we want to do. 
And it's a, it's a culture, it's a value that we want to say again and again and again in everything you're doing. Alyssa, I know, it's, she's, we're locked in. We've got the laser beam going on. She's agreeing with me right now. It's dangerous to sit near the front. I'm going to start calling names in the back. Make sure you all, no one feels safe in this room. But the idea is, I want your life to count. We're not just kind of going to meetings and doing the church thing, and I'm a nice person. In Indonesia, lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and we'd say, say it like this. I'm going to look at my interpreter right now. Jangan, don't, datang, dudu, ngongak, ngongok, duit. Now, the ngongak, ngongok is an NG word, so I think you may need to practice that a little bit. And that means to stare like this with your mouth open and your eyes. So don't, what does that mean? Don't just come and sit there and stare at me with your mouth open and give money. Now, a lot of times we think, that's an awesome Church member, look at that. They are there in their seat, staring at me with their mouth open and putting money in the plate. And we would say, that's not what it's about. It's about seeing your life transformed and investing in someone else. As someone said, you know, we don't want your money. We want you. Jesus said, I want all of you. I'm just trying to get you to obey some rules and kind of live up to a moral standard. I want your life. I want you to know me intimately and for you to be like me. He said, go into all the world, Matthew 28. Anybody ever heard of this? And teach them, Jesus said, to obey everything I've commanded. And that teaching is not lecturing. It's not just Get the podcast. It is model assists, watch, leave. It is a shaping relational investment process. And what I'm praying is that every one of you are reproducing your life. Every one of you have someone that's hungry. Not just sitting there, but they're saying, I want in on this. I want my life changed and I want to change someone else's life. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you stand up right now. We're going to think about this for a second. I'm not going to ask you to come down. We may have a ministry time in just a minute. You're about to be released from the sauna. It's going to happen. But here for a moment, just close your eyes right now. And, and I, I want you to make a, a, have the opportunity to make a choice. And that is, and you know, I've seen so many people that they want to be apprenticed. They're thinking, if I could just be apprenticed by someone that's amazing, then I would be amazing too. But really, all we need, I, I've found so much in my life, it's as I do, somehow the need, I get apprenticed if I am apprenticing others. And so we can't always promise that we've got an amazing person to invest in your life. But I can challenge you that if, as you give, it will be given to you because that's scriptural. And so what I want you to, to ask right now is, 
Lord Jesus, give me an apprentice. It could be at work. It could be in your neighborhood. I think every parent that has children has apprentices. But I'm asking you to extend beyond that. And say, Lord, give me someone in my life that wants, that's hungry, that's responsive, that it would be enjoyable to be with, that they would, we would connect, and I could invest in them, and they would receive it, and they would give it to somebody else. And if that's you, you just put your hand up and then put it back down again. I want to apprentice someone. I want to invest in someone's life. I'm looking for someone like that. And that's, as you're doing that, you're, you're requesting... You're saying, it's me, Jesus. I want to learn how to do this. I want to invest in someone. So for everyone here, Lord, that responded in that way, I ask that you would give them apprentice. Someone that, that when they spent time together, it wouldn't just be casual conversation, but there would be a depth of transfer that would happen. And that for everyone that lifted their hand, that they would see you more clearly, Jesus, and be broken for any way that their life shouldn't be reproduced. They would look for a greater depth of character, or look for a greater depth of purity and wholeness, so that what other people see is more and more and more like you. And I ask, Lord, that, that you give a, some simplicity of that process, so that they could watch one, do one, teach one, that there would be a receiving and a giving in both directions. Because we want to see your kingdom come, Lord. We really want to do more than just sit and listen and give money. We want people's lives to be changed. So show us, Lord. Certainly there's people this week in Boston that say, where, where, who, who is someone that would, what I could walk with? I'm new in this town or I don't know what I'm doing or I want to do this. I don't know how. Lord, show us those people and, and show us how to connect. I ask for everyone that responded by lifting their hand. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Jeff, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, Thank you so much, Mark. Susan, thanks for what you're sharing. I'm going to respond in our response time to this apprenticing. Uh, And we want to continue to get better to teaching what we know to each and every person. So uh, I just, uh, we're coming into a time of our service, which is the response time. You may wonder, what is a response time? Uh, that time is an opportunity for us to say, whatever God has spoken to our hearts, um, we respond to him through prayer, through repenting of an area in our lives, turning away from an area that's displeasing to him, and uh, through making a commitment to walk in a different direction. But what I want to do today is apprentice you to operate in the Holy Spirit. Is anybody up for that today? Anybody at all? Okay. Come on, more of you than that. If, even if you're not, <clears throat> you don't. <laughs> oh, golly. Uh, Jesus is here right now through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is response. Come on up, band. This is not a second sermon, but this is an apprenticeship during response, trying to respond to what Mark was saying. So Jesus is here through the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand, all of you? So where Jesus is, somebody, you can call that out. Where Jesus is, just picture him in the Bible going around. Where Jesus was, what was there? What happened where Jesus was? 
Miracles. So where Jesus was, is it fair to say there were miracles? Anybody read that in the Bible? Okay. What kind of miracles? Healings. Man, all over the place. People were getting healed and they were getting delivered. Uh, uh, people were the devil, the demonic bondage in their life. They got set free, right? What else happened where Jesus was? People came back to life. Dead people were raised, all of that. So here's what we want to do. Joy was where Jesus was. Forgiveness was where Jesus was. So a testimony I want to give you, and then we're going to move into operating in the Holy Spirit, is that last week as we were praying before the service, our leadership, we meet at 8 a.m. and have a little run through and we pray, there was a word of knowledge, which 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can see where words of knowledge are. There was a word of knowledge that came that someone had a, um, an issue with their right arm that God wanted to heal. And who here remembers me mentioning that word of knowledge? I wasn't the one that was given that. So if, you, if you remember that, well, I called that out and a young man right about where Tricia or Andrew, right about in that area, raised his hand and said, I'd like to have some prayer. Uh, I think someone else had prayer in the back as well. At the end of the service, this was a guy visiting. At the end of the service, or up, upstairs after it was over, he was just flapping his arm saying, man, I'm healed. My right arm got healed today. That is operating in the Holy Spirit. We receive from God and we, uh, we move in that. So, I want to ask you this today. Are you sick today? Raise your hand. You're going to help me if you're sick and you raise your hand for prayer. <laughs> Please help me today. If you're sick, raise your hand high. Okay? Now, I want to ask those who are comfortable with that to go over to this per these people. Keep your hand raised. A few of you might drop your hands. There's someone over here. There's people over here. I want a few of you just to go and head on over. Okay? This is called apprenticing. I, by God's grace, operate in the Holy Spirit. I want to teach you how to operate that way today. So, I want you to do this, and then I'm going to have the band play, and then we'll come back and talk. I want you to get, gather around them. Here's what you can do when someone is sick. Very simply, they acknowledge it. Ask them about the illness, okay? Say, ask them about the illness, all right, ask them how long they've had this situation, okay, and then I want you to pray over them, okay, and then what I want you to do after you pray over them is I want you to ask them how they're doing, and if, if they say I'm, everything's the same, that's fine, you can continue to pray for them, but you can ask the Holy Spirit, um, you may have a a scripture that comes to your mind, you may have something else. But what I want to do very simply is to have you, the, some people learn how to pray for the sick. How do we learn how to do stuff? By doing it. So as the band leads worship, I want you folks to pray right now to follow these questions. Ask them how long they've had this sickness. Pray over them and ask God for any um, understanding. If you feel like there's an affliction from Satan, from, from the demonic realm, break that off in Jesus' name. If you just feel like you need to speak healing, speak that out, and we were going to see what God does.